0: Thank you for this time. I thank you for this congregation. I thank you for what you're about to do here this morning. What you've already done this morning. I pray God that you would touch our hearts this morning. I pray for Brother Chris as he's going to come forward here to preach the word of God. Lord, that it would touch our hearts and grip our hearts this morning, Lord, to know that we can leave here better than we came in, God. Because Lord, our focus and our, our our is on You, our Lord, our Master, our Savior, our King of. Lord, we just thank you for being our high priest. Lord, you teach us. Teach us all things new this morning. Teach us, Lord. And Lord, we just give you praise for it all. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. We thank you for your grace and mercy in our life. We praise you. If there's anyone here today who's lost, that's never trusted you, Jesus, and never recognized that they're sinful, never recognized they have sin in their life, Lord, that they would come clean this morning and turn their life over to you, Lord Jesus, and be saved today. Before it's everlasting too late. God, I give you praise and glory for it all. For it's in Jesus' precious name that all the of God's children said, Amen. Don't make me see So, I told you I had something special with me this morning. Brother Chris Priest and here is here with his wife, Donetta. I got a yeah. name like you, you know. But anyway, I. Uh, over there that's been shut up since back in August, right? And so, it's been August, right? Since it's been shut up. And so, uh, Brother Chris here feels led by the Lord that uh, he wants to start a new work in Lake Russo. Hey. And, then, sure. and so, again, so, so, he's here today with his beautiful wife, and he's here, and listen, he loves you guys. He loves being here. Uh, he's been coming here. You've been probably noticing him coming on the weekends, being here. And uh, listen, he loves to worship with us. And so I said, man, brother, I said, you have been in the pulpit for a little while. I said, you need to get up there and preach. So so I invited him to come and preach this week. And uh, I want him to be a blessing for you, all right? And so let me pray for you. And I want to pray that the word of God just touches our hearts, Lord, tonight, all right? Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We praise you, God, for all that you do in our lives. Well, we pray that you just do your perfect work in our hearts right now. Help us to draw close to you. And as we draw close to you, we know your word is true. You will draw close to us. Lord, we thank you for Brother Chris. We thank you for for the love of his heart. And Lord, he loves you, Jesus, with all that he is. And Lord, all he wants to do is be a servant uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ to the world. And especially in Lake So We pray, God, that you would open up doors and windows that no man can open. Lord, you've already been doing that. I pray, God, that you would just move him. Lord, at every footstep we know is ordered by you, Jesus, and that you will lead him and guide him every step of the way. He and his sweet wife, Lord, bless him, bless his family, protect him from the evil one. Use it this morning as he brings forth the word of God in spirit and in truth. And Father, we thank you for it all in Jesus' precious name. And all God's children say what? Amen.
1: Alrighty, I want to just begin by saying thank you for the opportunity to speak here this morning. Uh, It's always an honor to be used by God uh, to do what he's called me to do. Um, Like Isaiah said, you know, here I am, Lord, send me. And, uh, you know, I am not worthy, but it's This morning I want to look at some things that Pastor Phil has been saying and, and some of the, the questions that he has used over the last few weeks in his messages that God has spoken to me. And um, and God has just really been burning my heart and speaking to my heart through those questions and comments as Pastor Phil has been speaking and uh, preaching the last few weeks. Um, And last week he talked about the calling that each believer has. And so God spoke to me, and as Pastor Phil was preaching last week, and he was speaking on the calling that each uh, believer has, God spoke to me about making Jesus famous in the world. And I wrote that down on the back of the the little insert in the Bible, or uh, in the bulletin, and so. I took that home and I started just kind of flipping through scriptures and I started pondering that statement. Make Jesus famous in the world. And God led me to the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is where the church comes into play. And the the chapter 4 is just a chapter that really just blows my mind. It, it, it's a chapter that really just speaks to my heart, and if I had to pick a a, a favorite chapter in the Bible, like a whole chapter, like this is my favorite chapter in the whole Bible, chapter four of Acts is probably one of the ones that would be up there at the very top, like top three. Um, But as I pondered this statement and started seeking God's face and and just praying, and and, okay, God, what is it I'm going to... How am I going to develop this statement? How am I going to use this statement to preach? How do you want me to, you know, use this statement to develop some of those questions that that you've been speaking to my heart? Because when I write a sermon, if it doesn't speak to me, I don't feel like I can preach it. Because if it doesn't speak to my heart, then how can I speak to? Then how can God speak to to your heart? So when I start to review that that sermon, if it's not speaking to my heart, I throw it in the garbage and start over again. Because I'm like, okay, God's just not speaking to me. He ain't going to speak to nobody else, and I'm obviously, you know, putting my own words together here. So God led me to kind of. Use the context of the first three chapters to build upon to get to chapter 4. So starting in chapter 1, we see that Jesus is is at the very end of His his time on earth. He's getting ready to ascend to heaven, and He's talking to the disciples, and He's telling the disciples and all those that are gathered around Him that they need to, to stay in Jerusalem. That, that when he ascends to go back to Jerusalem and wait in Jerusalem for the coming of the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father is what he called it there, and he continues to tell them that John the ba- John baptized with water, but they're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit not long afterwards. And in John or in Acts chapter one verse eight, he tells them, "But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will you shall be." my witness both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. He says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will receive power. Let me tell you this power. If I didn't have that power, I couldn't get up here. Because I've been the most shyest person that I've ever known. As a a child, as a teenager, as a young person, I always sat in the very back corner of the church because I grew up in church. And I would pray, Lord, don't let nobody speak to me because I don't want to have to speak to them. When God called me in the ministry, I said, Lord, you got the wrong Chris Priest. There's got to be another one in in this world because you got the wrong one. We know God don't make mistakes. But I told God, you made a mistake here. (laughs) I, I'm not the right first priest you got here when you called me into ministry I ain't getting up there and speaking it scares me to death it scares me to death to be up here yes. but let me tell you the greatest thing in the world is when Pastor Phil says we're going to go in that room over here his office and we're going to pray Amen. Lord I felt the Holy Spirit in dwelling in that room Pastor Phil Brother Gary and Brother Bob praying. Man, I, I told my wife when I come back, she's like, where you big? I said, let me tell you about it. Pastor Phil drove me in his office in there and we, they prayed and we prayed together. I said, when we start this church, we are going to do that. I'm going to get some brothers, you know, some main leaders of the church and they're going to pray with me before I get up there and preach.
0: Woo! i all
1: I've always, since I started preaching, I would get to the church at like 5.30 in the morning so that I could prepare my heart and I would come to the altar and I would pray. Now, you don't have to come to the altar to pray. You can pray wherever you're at. But I'd always come to the altar because, you know, we Christians, we just feel like this is a special place. But this is where I would come and I'd say, Lord, whatever it is, before I even go to my office and and start reviewing my sermon and, and... and, and read my Bible or anything for the morning. Because I'd get up early, i I get dressed, you know, after I got, did all my stuff at the house. I'd come to the church, first thing I'd do is I'd walk right down to the altar and I'd pray. Lord, reveal to me anything that needs to be removed from my heart. Right. Anything in my life, you know, from last week, leading up to this week, that needs to be removed. That's right. So that you can entweld me and use me today. That I can be completely filled with the Holy Spirit yeah. to be used. Because it's not about me. It's about Jesus Christ. Yeah. So. And then I'd go to my office and I'd review my sermon. See, because I, I needed to do that before I got in my office and reviewed my sermon. Because God might say, hey, you need to cut this out. or That ain't even a sermon to God. <laughs> right. Man, I've had Sundays. I was sitting in the, in the pew. And we singing. And all of a sudden, God says, hey, that sermon you've got ain't the right one. I mean, right. You, you need to turn to, to John three sixteen or
0: or John 15, or this chapter, yes. or that book, or whatever, and preach from there. And I'm like, you sure about
1: that God <laughs> hey, type <what> <laughs> Again, God don't make mistakes. But he said, I'm going to fill you with the, the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that enables us to do what he calls us to do. That's right, amen. So after Jesus tells them, He's going to send the power of the Holy Spirit so that they can be the witnesses, not just to get up and preach a sermon, but to go out and be witnesses of Him throughout the world. Not just in Jerusalem, not just in Samaria, not just in Israel, not just in Citrus County, not just in the state of Florida, not just in the United States, but all around the world to the, the remotest parts of the earth. The people leave the the mountain, go to Jerusalem. They go to the upper room and and they begin to pray as they wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. They pray in unity. Now we're told in in verse 15 that there's roughly 120 people there. It tells us there that there's 120 people there. I don't know how many we got here this morning. Probably around 100 or so, maybe a little more. 120 of us praying in unity. That means everybody's praying with the same exact thing in mind. I've grown up in Southern Baptist Church my entire life. Same church. Been that same church all my life until November 6th when I left the church. only church I've ever been a part of. I know how hard it is to get people to do the same thing. It ain't easy. Now, 120 of them praying for the exact same thing in an upper room. 120 people in the same room. That's hard to do anyway. But then in chapter 2, we're told about the coming of the Holy Spirit, the day of Pentecost. It was 10 days later from when Jesus ascended to heaven. They're, they're, They're praying. 10 days. 10 days they're praying in unity. Not just one day, not just two days, ten days. Man, it's hard enough to get people to come out on a Wednesday night and pray together, right? They come together for ten days straight. Man, it's hard enough to get people to come together for a revival for three days. I, I man, back in the day, you'd have week-long, two-week-long revivals. Here, are these guys, men, women, they met for ten days. It says. Then, the Holy Spirit came like a violent rushing wind. It sounded like a violent rushing wind. You ever be sitting outside and you hear the wind blowing through the pine trees? So loud that you're like, man, what in the world? Maybe some of y'all are from Midwest or something and you hear a tornado. I've never been near a tornado, but I've been in many a hurricane. That's kind of my thought here. Power of the Holy Spirit coming. It ain't going to just sound like a... It was a violent, rushing wind. It says that the Spirit appears like tongues of fire on the people. This people started speaking in different tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. i want to stop right there. We want to talk about the, the day of Pentecost real quick here. It means 50th. <laughs> Pentecost means fiftieth, and refers to the feast of weeks or harvest, which was celebrated fifty days after the day of Pente- or after Passover, and it fell in May or June, depending on the moons and all that. It was one of three annual feasts for which the nation of Israel was to come to Jerusalem at, at Pentecost, and offering of first fruits was was made. Therefore, this was a large gathering of people from all over the known world. There was estimated anywhere from 200,000 to 2 million people in the city of Jerusalem that day. There's a lot of people there from all over the known world. Not just in the city, but in the suburbs, in in the surrounding areas. They're coming there to give of their first fruits. They're coming there to pray, to offer offerings. They're there. With all these people from all over the known world, there's people there that are speaking different languages. They all know the the, 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 the regular language that everybody spoke. You're in Florida. Here in Florida, if if you go up and and, and you do some research on NAM, North American Mission Boards, you can see that you can reach the world right here in Florida, especially if you go down to South Florida. Because it is estimated, it is believed, that the majority of the world is congregated in Florida. They say that a thousand people move to Florida every day. 300,000 people is estimated to move to Florida every year. And not just from the United States, from all over the world. There's people that speak all languages Right here in Florida. I only speak English. My wife says I speak Red Level. I'm from Red Level. Don't Google Red Level. No. That's, it, it's actually a computer programming language. I don't speak computer programming language. But maybe you, your native tongue is Chinese or Spanish or Haitian, or Cuban, or one of these other languages. And that's what you grew up speaking. And and for you, if somebody was preaching in your native tongue, you would be able to understand it a whole lot better than me speaking here today. I promise you, you probably could. But for me, I would understand it a lot better in English and in red Level. Or country boy languages, probably better to say. Se. So see, what happens here is they started speaking in different languages. The Spirit gave them utterance in different languages. So when Peter stands up to speak or preach in chapter 2 there, he's he's preaching. And, and, and as the 120 are, are starting to go out into the city... They start to utter in different languages to all the known languages of the world so that every person is hearing it in their native language. So that they understand it to the best of their ability. Peter gets done preaching and the people ask, well what do we do with this? What do we do with this message that you have just given us? He says there, in verse 38, he says, Repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That day, 3,000 people were saved and baptized. I never preached to 3,000 people. But wow, that would be awesome to see 3,000 people come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Chapter 3, Peter and John, now or maybe a couple days later, maybe it's the same day. Or, or maybe it's a day or two later. They're headed up to the temple. Now, the Jewish people then, they had three times of prayer, 9 a.m., noon, and 3 p.m. They're, they're headed up for the, the, the third hour or the, the ninth hour, which is 3 p.m., on their way into the temple, a lame beggar. He's been lame his entire life from birth. He's laying by the temple doors there, and as he's laying there, he's been doing this his entire life, more or less, at least since his parents figured he was old enough to lay there in bed. So he's so used to it, he he didn't really pay attention to people. He'd just stick his cup out and expect people to drop money in there. And he may just say, hey, you know, alms for the poor or whatever, hey, you got any money? He didn't pay attention to who they were. He didn't make eye contact. He's been doing it for 25 plus years. So he sticks his cup out. In verse 4, Peter says to the man, look at us. Hey, make some eye contact with us. Pay attention to us. Peter tells him, hey, we don't have silver and gold, but what we do have, you want. What we do have is better than silver and gold. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, walk. In the name of Jesus Christ, walk. Reaches down and helps the man up. Now, now the man didn't, you know, you know, take his time and stretch out his legs and wait for his muscles to kind of, you know, how we do when we get out of bed and I'll be 40 tomorrow.
0: You ain't seen nothing yet. I ain't seen
1: nothing yet, but I have put a lot of hard eyes on this 40-year-old body, let me tell you. I've done a lot of stupid stuff to this 40-year-old body, let me tell you. We won't get into that. You don't As he pulls him up, the man jumps up for joy. He leaps up. He doesn't stretch out. He leaps up. Praising God. Praising God. And he doesn't just, you know, mean off. He continues to praise God. He gives God the glory and honor. Yeah. He he's been begging for 25 years though. So it's not like he's just been there for a couple of days. He's been doing this For years, 25 plus years, maybe 30 plus years. Let me tell you, people start noticing. People's like, hey, that's that guy that's been begging forever. what power or in what name have you done this? So the first thing we see there is by what power? They bring them in. So here a, a crowd gathers around because they notice that hey, they just healed this guy. Something's different about these two gentlemen. Something's different about these two guys. A crowd gathers Peter's like, let me take this opportunity. Let me take this opportunity with this crowd gathered around. And he starts preaching the word of God. He starts preaching the good news, the gospel message of Jesus Christ to these people. But it also draws another crowd. It draws the priest. It draws the captain of the temple guard. And it draws the Sadducees, the religious leaders. They don't want this happening, especially in the temple. The temple grounds, out in the courtyard of the temple. So they come out and arrest them. It's getting late in the evening because we remember back it was 3 p.m. So they put them off in jail. We'll wait until tomorrow to put them on trial. And that's what they do they put them on trial. But, they put them on trial, but that's okay. Because of the word of God was preached, 5,000 people were saved. We don't even know how many people had gathered around. Must have been a pretty good sized courtyard. 5,000 people. Day of Pentecost, 3,000. So we're at 8,000 people have come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So these guys, the the religious leaders, bring Peter and John in front of them and, and they start questioning them. They want to know by what power, by what authority, who gave you the right to be out here preaching, to be out here doing it. preaching, and to be preaching in the name of Jesus. They didn't like Jesus. The second thing we see is if this was over a sick man, if this was over a sick man, in verses 8 and 9, it continues on there. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we're on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man, As to how this man has been made well. So Peter begins his response. He he begins his response. His reply to the question of who gave you the authority. Who gave you the authority to, to go out and do the miracles. To go out and preach this. So Peter. He is filled with the Holy Spirit. I apologize, I, stopped. I forgot to stop and get a balloon. I was going to do an illustration for y'all. But I forgot to stop and get a balloon. We were pulling in the parking lot. I said, man, I forgot to get a balloon. There's a difference between having the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Right. See, as a believer in Jesus Christ, we are all sealed with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Every believer is indwelt with the Holy Spirit. See, a balloon can have air in it, but that doesn't mean it's filled. That's right. A balloon can have air in it and not be filled, correct? Everybody agree on that? Yes. <laughs> but then you can blow that balloon up and fill that balloon up. See, but then you can not, you know, if you don't tie it, you let go of it, it loses its air. We have to stay in the Word of God. We have to stay connected to God through the Word of God, through prayer, through coming and gathering together with other believers and studying together and being together, hearing messages, learning about God, in order to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So we can come and get filled today. But the but the but Satan the enemy can let that air out of us quickly if we're not careful if we don't stay in the word of God we can lose that feeling real quick just like a balloon if you if you let go of it that air escapes we gotta we gotta read the word of God to, to put that air keep putting that air in us keep putting that air in us We've got to talk to the Lord to keep putting that air in us. We've got to stay connected to God to keep putting that air in us. And if we're not careful, we're going to lose that air if we don't keep that connection with the Lord. But Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and as he's filled with the Holy Spirit he stands up and, and addresses this religion, these religious leaders. And he tells them, Hey, if we were on trial because of what we did with this sick man—if it was—if we were on trial for a benefit done with a, a a sick man, this trial would be completely different. This trial would be totally different. Peter—he—he's kind of calling these officials out. The officials made it out to the crowd. He. The officials, when they arrested him, made it out to the crowd that they were arresting him because they performed a a miracle without a medical license, if you will. They they, they, they arrested him. They they made it out to the crowd that, hey, you did this miracle, but you don't have a medical license. You can't do that. You've got to have a medical license. Now, that's just, you know speculations you know if you will but now Peter is like whoa hold on you, you you're 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 not that's not why you have us on crime. you're making it out to the crowd that that's why you got us here but that's not really why you have us here you, you're making it out to the crowd that you arrested us for for the miracle we did, and, and because we don't have the right proper licensing or the authority. But that's not really why we have us here. As we continue on in verses 10 and 11, we see that Peter turns the tables on. Verses 10 and 11, Peter continues on He says, Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, Whom you crucified. Whom God raised from the dead. By this name. This man stands here before you. In good health. He meaning Jesus. Is the stone. Which was rejected by you. The builders. But which. which Became the chief cornerstone. So here Peter. Says "Let, let it be known to all. He's not just talking about the Jewish officials there. He's meaning to all Israel. To all the world. He wants everyone to know. All people of Israel. That it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazarene. Peter also did not want anyone to mistake who he is speaking of here. So he specifies that it was Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He's saying this is Jesus Christ who came from Nazareth. This isn't Jesus Christ from from Galilee. This isn't Jesus Christ from Bethlehem or or from some other place. This is Jesus Christ from Nazareth, the son of uh, of Mary. The, The son of God Almighty. This is Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Peter turns the tables on the Jewish officials and Peter says to them, this is Jesus Christ of Nazarene whom you crucified. He didn't beat around the bush either. He's pointing the finger right at him. He says, God raised Him from the dead. He brings it right out too. See, there was speculation. They tried to cover the resurrection of Jesus Christ up and said, oh, they stole the body. They did this, they did that. He said, no, God... Almighty raised him from the dead. And then he says to the Jews, he says to the Jewish officials, you know, they asked, by what power did Peter and John spoke healing? I have have been drunk I have." He says, Peter says, It's by his name. He says, it's by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazarene. Peter says, this man stands here before you in good health. So we see there that that this man, the lame man, is there with them. The lame man is there with them. and, And Peter says, it's by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that this lame man is here. It's not anything that Peter and John did. It's nothing that they had done except speak the name of Jesus. They spoke the name of Jesus. Peter continues on and he says, He is the stone which was rejected by you. He is the stone that was rejected by you, the Jewish officials. The Jewish officials rejected Jesus. They never accepted him. They never accepted him as a prophet. They never accepted him as the Messiah. They still have not accepted him as the Messiah. And it is our job as believers to go forth and make sure that they understand He is the Messiah. The Jewish officials had rejected Him as the cornerstone. They had rejected Him as the Messiah. We see, I believe, one of the greatest verses in the Bible. Verse 12. No other name. Verse 12. And there is salvation in no one else For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. No other name. You can't be saved under Buddha. You can't be saved under Muhammad. You can't be saved under Allah. You can't be saved under Kafusha. You can't be saved under no other name but the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God Almighty. And Peter is telling the Jewish officials this that there is only one name and that person can find salvation in and it is only through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Paul writing to the Philippian church in, in Philippians 2, 9-11 through tells us this, For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, Amen. so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow right. of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Amen. The, whole world will say. the name that we need to be, be making famous is this. Amen. God the Father has already exalted it highly above everything and anything else. And whether you accept it for salvation or not. You have a chance before you take your last breath or before the last trumpet sounds... You have to accept the name of Jesus Christ for salvation. And if you don't, you will bow before the name of Jesus Christ. That's right, right? Amen. So, whether you are saved or not, you will bow before the Lord Jesus Christ one day. But at the time that all people, saved or not, bow, it is eternally too late. There is no universal salvation. There is no universal salvation when all names in Philippians there, when God is telling us that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. At that time, it's eternally too late. At that time, the world has come to an end. We either accept Him here and now for salvation, for the sacrifice that He has done for us, for the blood that He has shed on that cross. For the sins that we have committed, yeah.
0: for the forgiveness that He has given to us. Thank God for grace Amen. and mercy.
1: That's what we walk Or we will bow and then be sent to hell's damnation. John 14:6 says this. Jesus said to him, talking to doubting calmness. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus is the only way to the Father. The only way to salvation. It is better to accept that salvation than to be made to bow before Him and not receive salvation. See, as a believer, it is our job. It is our responsibility to share this word with Share this name with the world. With those that are lost and dying and going to hell right now. I don't believe I wrote down the statistics, but it is 152,000. I believe Pastor Phil shared it the other day too. 152,000 people across the world dying every minute. 152,000 people die every minute in the world. if I remember IMVs, I did not, I was going to put that in my notes and I don't believe I did. And out of those 152,000, I believe the majority of those are lost. I think it's three out of four people that die every minute are lost. Are lost. Church, we as Christians are failing in our job? How do you know that? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Statistics. Statistics. God judges. God judges. God judges. Yes, God judges. God judges. But when you do surveys, you can ask the questions. Spirit of
0: God or Spirit of the world?
1: It is our duty to make Jesus famous in the world. Out of 7.5 billion people in this world today. I think it's 3.5 billion are still unreached with the gospel message. Unreached, that means there is not a gospel message going out to them on a regular basis. Romans 10, 14-17. How then will they call on Him who they have not believed? How will they believe in Him who they have not heard? How will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. However, they did not all heed the good news. For Isaiah said, Lord... Who has believed our report? So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. You know it says there how will they preach unless they are sent? Let me put this out there. This is not talking about a preacher who is called to the gospel ministry. This is talking about a person that is proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. This is talking about a person that is sharing the gospel message. This is talking about a person that is sharing their faith. We are all called to share our faith. Verse 17 says, So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Every believer is called to share their faith. Every believer is called to share the gospel message. Every believer is called to share the good news. Every believer is called to share your Jesus story. Your Jesus story is how Jesus saved you from your sins.
0: Amen.
1: We all must be saved from our sins or faith. Hell's damnation. Verse number five is speaking boldly. Now back to our main text in verse four in chapter four of Acts. It says in verse thirteen through nineteen as as the Jewish officials then respond to Peter. It says in verse thirteen through nineteen. Now as they observe the confidence of Peter and John and understand that they were uneducated and untrained men they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. And seeing the men who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in reply. But when they had ordered them to leave the council, they began to confer with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through men, through them, it is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it. But so that it will not spread any further among the people. Let us warn them to speak no longer to any man in his in this name. And when they had summoned them. They commanded them not to speak or teach. At all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them. Whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed. To you rather than to God. You be the judge. In verse 13, we're told that the Jewish officials observed the confidence or the boldness of Peter and John, but they also understood that these two men were uneducated and untrained men. Let me tell you, you don't have to have a biblical degree, you don't have to have a seminary degree to share your faith. You have to have a Jesus story. If you have been born again, if you have a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you have a Jesus story. Peter and John were fishermen. They were not Pharisees or Sadducees or scribes. They were fishermen. Therefore, they had not been to Bible school. They had not learned the scriptures like these Pharisees had. But they were standing in front of these religious leaders and they stood there with both Jesus calls Peter and John. First he calls Simon, who we know is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. They're out fishing and, and they're casting a net into the sea. And Jesus says to them, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed Jesus. Going a little bit farther, he sees James and John, the sons of Zebedee. And he, they're casting, they're mending their nets in the boat with their father. And immediately he calls them and, and they left their boat and their father. They left the family business, their careers, and followed Jesus. Amen. Jesus says to them, follow me. They immediately left their, their, their jobs, their careers, their family businesses and followed Jesus. Pastor Phil asked a question. Has God asked you to do something that requires your obedience? When Jesus asked Peter, Andrew, James, and John to follow Him, it required obedience and faith. They immediately were obedient. Has God asked you to do something that requires you to be obedient? Pastor Phil then said, If God has not asked you to do something that requires you to be obedient, why not? Why not? If God hasn't asked you to do something that requires your obedience, why not? If He's not asked you to do something that makes you step out on faith, to walk in faith. We're told that the faith is, is things that we don't see. Faith is, is, is walking in, in, in uncertain situations. We're not really sure what tomorrow brings. Share our faith. Now we don't always know what to say. But God is right there. Tell them our Jesus story isn't the same every time. But it's allowing the Holy Spirit to speak through us. So that he can use us. To lead the lost to salvation. I say be willing. Obedient and available. Be willing to allow the Holy Spirit to use you. Be obedient To when the the Holy Spirit says, go speak to that person. And then be available to when he does say it, go. Because you never know when it's going to happen. It might happen at the gas station. It might happen at the grocery store. It might happen at the doctor's office. It might happen when you're out in your front yard and a person pulls up and asks for directions. It might happen when you're out in your front yard and the neighbor walks up. You never know. We have to be obedient, we have to be willing, and we have to be available. But let me ask, has God asked you to do something that requires obedience? If not, why? If he hasn't, are you really a believer? Are you really a believer? If he's not asking you to do things that require obedience, ask ourselves. We need to examine ourselves. We need to ask God to examine us. Lord, am I in your will? Am I seeking you? Lord, am I even a child of yours? If we're not sharing our faith, is God disciplining us? Because we've all been commanded in in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, in Acts 1-8. As believers, we've all been, and if we're not sharing our faith, is God disciplining us? Is God speaking to our hearts about it? And if not, then we need to check ourselves, because He tells us in Hebrews 12, 6, for those whom the Lord loves, He disciplines, and He scourges every son whom He receives. See, we are to make Jesus famous, known in the world. We talk a lot about these days about the end times, that Jesus is coming any time, that the world is in a mess and is going to end at any time, and, and, and I'm not saying that that I disagree with that. But look what Jesus says in Matthew 24:14: "This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, then the end will come."
0: That's right. That Which says
1: the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached. There's a phone down here, there's a phone down here, there's one in the back, there's a camera up there on the wall. We're live streaming, we're on the website, this iPad right here. I was talking to a Gideon a year or so, two years ago. He told me his wife works with a ministry that she does from her home. I don't know the name of the ministry, but they're they're doing this ministry all over the In countries that missionaries can't even get into because of laws, because of those nations' laws. My father in law does an online ministry, it's strictly online. He reaches countries, he has followers that follow him online from all over the world. We have somebody watching from Africa right now. I mean, I know not everybody agrees with Facebook and and Twitter and all those different, and I don't know all about those social media platforms either. But And these things can cause a lot of problems too, don't get me wrong. I had somebody this week trying to tag me in nude pictures. I ain't even friends with them. How they were able to do that, I have no idea. It took me a few minutes to figure out how to get off that, John. But there's also a lot of good into it also. How are we going to spread the gospel message to all the world? I believe it's through these things right here. Through our cell phones. Through online media. Because there are a lot of nations we can't get into because of their laws. But we can get into them through social media. The gospel can be preached into those countries. With that, we got to get busy. There's a lot of lost people right here in Citrus County. I did a I did did a lot of research a few months ago, probably close to a year ago, through surveys. Surveys that are done. I don't know how they're done. There's a lot of research that goes into those surveys. About people that claim they don't believe in Jesus. And you would be surprised at how many lost people there in Citrus County. It's our job. We're right here in Citrus County. To share the good news of Jesus Christ with those people. Paul wrote in Romans 1.16. He said this. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Mm-hmm. It is the power of God for salvation. Amen. We can't be ashamed of the gospel. and You say, well, I'm not ashamed of that. When's the last time you talked to somebody about the gospel? I mean, you know, we, we need to all ask ourselves those things. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation and we as believers should have a desire that all people be saved. And we need not be ashamed, but go forth and share this gospel message that Jesus died on the cross for the sins of whoever believes in Him. Should not perish, but have everlasting life. We all fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us makes mistakes. Every one of us has times in our life that we we mess up that we come short of the glory of God. We miss the mark. Amen. But praise God that he loves us so much that he sent Jesus to die on that cross. So that we have a way that salvation. So that we can be found righteous before him through that shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. Because of his perfect sacrifice on the cross. Amen. Amen. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says this, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes resulting in righteousness. With the heart, not with the mind. You've got to believe in your heart resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth He confesses resulting in salvation. And if you will believe that Jesus died for you today, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. And Romans 10, 13 says, For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. We have to call upon the name of the Lord. Believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross. He died for you. I don't care what you've done. We all have made mistakes. We've all messed up. We all have sins in our life. But we all, I don't care what you've done. We all can call on the name of the Lord for forgiveness of our sins. Amen. Praise God.
0: Believe in your heart
1: that He died for those sins, and that He is forgiving you of those sins. Believe that God raised Him from the dead three days later, and that He ascended to heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father, and that He is making a place for you right now. Confess with your mouth that He is Lord and of lords and King of kings, that He is Savior of your life and you Jesus
0: shall
1: be saved. Lord, Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are the name that is above all names. Amen. That God the Father has exalted you above all so that we may be saved. Lord, I thank you that you are the one and only way to salvation. Lord, that you have made that way for us so that we can be saved. Lord, I thank you that if there is anyone here today that has never accepted you for forgiveness, for salvation, that Lord that you are sitting waiting, that you are standing here with your arms wide open, ready to accept them, that Father all they have to do is ask. Lord, all they have to do is call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I know Pastor Phil would love to speak to him more. Lord, I have to Myself, Pastor Phil, Brother Gary. Many of the leaders here would love to stop and pray with them and talk to them and share more scriptures and the word of God with them. So Father, I pray Lord, that if there's any here that have never accepted you. Lord, that your Holy Spirit would just stir in their hearts before they leave here today. That they would stop somebody before they leave this place. Lord, if there's any believers here that that need to just talk to you. Lord, they need to to work some things out. Father, they they,
0: they say, "I, I haven't really been sharing
1: my faith like I should be. I haven't been being obedient like I should be. I haven't been making myself available to the Holy Spirit like I should be that today would be a day that they do that. That they would turn a new leaf. That they would start a new chapter. Lord, that we would make a a promise to you, a covenant with you, Lord, that, that we would begin putting ourselves out there willingly and available to you to be used by you whenever, wherever, however you see fit that your kingdom may be expanded and the lost may come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ for your glory, for your honor. Lord, we thank you for what you have done here today. Lord, I pray that you would be with the people as they leave here today. Lord, that you would stir their hearts Empower them to share their faith, their Jesus story with those that they come into contact with. Lord, I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Enjoy the word this morning.
0: Amen. Amen. i tell you what, it's the truth of God's word, when He explains it. name Jeanette, how do you spell your name yeah. anyway I want you to write their names because I want you to be praying for them as they begin to start a newer but something else I want you to write down write down uh, along long ways from the top to the bottom write the word grace spell up G-R-A-C-E write grace on there sometimes people don't understand what grace is all right